worship the Lamb of glory. We will worship the King of kings. We will worship the Lamb of glory. We will worship the King. I bless the name of the Lamb of glory. I bless the name of the King of kings. I bless the name of the Lamb of glory. I bless the name of the King. And with our hands lifted high, we will worship and sing. And with our hands lifted high, we come before you rejoicing. With our hands lifted high to the sky, when the world wonders why, we'll just tell them we're loving our King. And with our hands lifted high, Welcome to Preston, Chris. It's great to see everyone here this morning. We're thankful that each of you have chosen to worship with us this morning. I am Stephen Miller, one of the elders here. And Preston, Chris is a dynamic community of believers in Jesus Christ whose primary focus is to have passion for God and compassion for people. As we do each week, we'd ask our members and registered returning visitors to please text the word CHECK-IN to 469-476-5331 as it lets us know who has joined us, whether you're here in person or virtually. If you are visiting with us, we are particularly glad that you are here, and we hope you'll give us a chance to meet you at, uh, at the end of service. If you are a first-time uh, visitor, please take an attendance card from the pew back in front of you and take it to the uh, Information Center. We'd like to give you a gift expressing our gratitude for your attendance this morning. 
Preston Crest is truly blessed with many wonderful ministries, adult Bible classes for all ages, outstanding children's and youth programs, a thriving young adult uh, community, as well as numerous opportunities led by top-notch group of ministers and staff. We hope that each of you are connected in numerous ways to encourage each other and serve our community. A couple weeks ago, Rowan Chestnut petitioned this congregation to have you sign up as prayer partners for over 70 Attic kids, A-T-T-I-C, not A-D-D-I-C-T kids. I heard that this morning and thought that sounded weird, but uh, the kids that meet upstairs, third through sixth grade, there was over 70 of them. We're happy to say that all slots have been filled. So thank you again, Preston Crest, for showing your love for these children and for praying for them over this next school year. Before we pray, hear these words from Psalms 9, 1 through 2. It says, I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell you all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. Let's pray. Father, just thank you for this time together this morning. We acknowledge you as the creator, provider, and one true God over all things. We just want to offer our praise and gratitude for what you have done in each of our lives. Although all of your wonderful deeds are so numerous to name, we just want to thank you for being our Father who shows us immeasurable amounts of love, grace, and mercy. I want to thank you for this community of believers who worship and serve here at Preston Crest. We pray that you continue to bless us collectively and individually as we accept your commands to love you first and foremost, love others, and keep the truths of your word in our words and in our actions. We pray that our ministries and service honor you and glorify your holy name. Father, this morning we're mindful of 21 years ago of the tragedy at 9-11 in New York, in the Pentagon, and just for the evil that persists not only back then but to, till today, Father. And we want to pray for the families who are affected, and we just want to pray for this, this world, Father, for peace and for reconciliation and, and living in harmony, Father. Father, we just pray, we trust and rely on you. We know that you hear our cries in our times of need. There are so many who are dealing with undue stress and uncertainty. This morning, we ask you to heal those who are struggling with health issues, incurring financial distress, looking for employment, having relational conflict, grieving from recent loss, or have other needs, Father. May we lean heavily into you in trying times and turn our anxieties and fears into deeper faith. Now, Father, I pray that you will bless this worship as we express our deep gratitude, what you, are, what you have done and will do in our lives, as well as the amazing creation and blessings we enjoy. We thank you for Jesus, and it is his holy name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Thanks, Stephen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning, y'all. Good morning. Hey, let's, uh, let's stand. Let's offer our voices this morning together in praise and worship. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, the people shall be born in his
Amen. Be seated, please. I think y'all came to praise the Lord this morning. Who's with me? Anybody here with me? All right. <laughs> We're entering into our time of communion now. We're going to sing one more song, and then Tom Miller will come and lead us around the bread and around the cup. Oh, sacred morning. Um, a few years ago, I was blessed to um, go on the Guatemala mission trip. And one of my favorite things of that week was Sunday morning when we got to worship with the brothers and sisters uh, there from the congregations of Antigua and Chimaltenango, and especially um, partaking of the Lord's Supper and it makes me think every, every now and then while we're taking communion, I think of, of how all over the world people are rehearsing this act 
um, the same as we are. Um, we are all one body, and, and, and together we are remembering uh, Christ's sacrifice. Um, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for the opportunity to be here today, that we have the freedoms to come together to worship you. We thank you for sending your son for his sacrifice. We thank you, Jesus, for your obedience to the Father's will. We pray, Father, that you would bless this bread that represents Jesus' body uh, broken for us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue, in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask that you bless this cup that represents the, the life-giving blood of your Son, that through this blood we are continually washed clean of our sins, that one day we may be with you uh, for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Lovely. Good to see you. you guys sound great today, by the way. Um, so if you want to give this morning, we're so glad that you're here. And if you want to give, you can do that through church teams. You can give on our website. You could do that today. You could do that any day of the week. Or you can this morning drop a, an offering into the box out in the foyer. And these offerings go to support all kinds of ministries here and abroad, small and big. Uh, things that God has invited us to partner with him in. And one of these that is often kind of behind the scenes is the prayer quilt ministry. Have you ever slept underneath a quilt? Okay. It's like the best thing ever, right? I mean, quilt. It's just amazing. Um, imagine sleeping under a quilt where every knot on top represents prayers that people have prayed and are praying for you. And you've got some idea of what this ministry is as they make these quilts for people who are going through a difficult time, a difficult diagnosis maybe. And you're going to hear more about this in a video. But if you want to see uh, where the sausage is made, you can go across the street and uh, in room 290 rather, across the street. They're having a little open house this morning so you can talk to them more about this ministry, how you can be involved in it, or just thank them for the work that they are doing. Let's pray together. God, I am thankful this morning as Tom reminded us for the grace that we have received and we celebrate that as brothers and sisters this morning that we are united to God through your blood and united to each other as brothers and sisters. I'm also grateful for so many people who serve, who see needs and serve, who choose to be channels of your love into the world around them. And some of those are involved in this prayer quilt ministry. I pray that you will bless them in their good work and be with all of those here at Preston Crest who are serving in your name to share the love of Christ with the people around them. We pray your blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hello, Preston Crest family. I'm Karen Browner. And I'm Deborah Atchison, and we are the leaders of the prayer quilt ministry. Tie not, say a prayer. It's such a simple thing, and yet it blesses so many. A prayer quilt combines the gift of a quilt with the gift of prayer. They are given to people who are struggling with serious illness, grief, and personal or family crisis. The ministry blesses everyone, not only the recipient, but also their family and friends, the quilters, and everyone who prays. Those who receive the quilts are very appreciative and feel comforted by the quilts and the prayers. I received this quilt when I had cancer and was going through chemo. Not only did it comfort me physically during the treatments, but also spiritually, knowing I was covered in prayer by my church family. It meant a lot to me then, and it still does today. 16 years later. Through your donations of supplies, gift cards, and money, we have been able to stock our quilt room with the materials that we need to make the quilts. If you'd like more information about the Prayer Quilt Ministry, you can find brochures at the Information Center in the church foyer. Thank you, Preston Crest, for your generosity and support. Thank you not only for your donations, but your words of appreciation, encouragement, and most definitely those prayers. It is our hope that the Prayer Quilt Ministry will continue to bless many more.
All right. Hey, I want to remind you that this coming Tuesday, the Women of Worship, that's going to get kicked off. Uh, coffee and treats and stuff starts at 9.15, and then their worship starts at 9.45. So ladies, please make plans to be here for that. Uh, a great luncheon will follow. Let's, uh, let's stay in church. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. We're going to sing one more chorus before we... Uh, Continue on with our time together. Savior, he can move The Greek word from the, for the English word deacon, which means one who executes the commands of another, especially of a master, or as a servant, attendant, or minister. For 50 years, Preston Crest has been blessed with an abundance of qualified and committed men who have served in the role of deacon. Our current, current uh, group of deacons is no exception. They quietly yet uh, effectively exhibit uh, servants' leadership from this congregation, our community, and God's kingdom throughout the world. We are so thankful for each and every deacon that has answered the call to serve God in this church here at Preston Crest. Since our last induction of new deacons in 2016, normal attrition as well as the expansion of new and existing ministries has brought us to a place where the eldership believes it is time once again to follow the example provided to us in Acts 6 in the instructions provided in 1 Timothy 3 to invite this congregation to call out additional deacons. We would ask that each member review the relevant scriptures and prayerfully consider your nominations. Then using the online form located on our website, a printed form that you will receive in the mail this week, or a brochure that will be available in the foyer next week to make your submissions. A designated drop box will be in the foyer starting next Sunday for, for placement of printed forms, or you may give them to any elder. Nominations will be accepted through Sunday, October 2nd. We hope that you'll be able to we'll, we'll be able to review the recommendations, narrow the list, and interview each prospective deacon before the end of November in hopes of installing new deacons on Sunday, December 11th. That morning, we plan to once again hold a single combined service as we did on our 50th anniversary. This will hopefully elevate the significance of the installation of deacons and allow us to worship together and show our love and support for the men who will be called out. We'll have more information about that in the future. We are excited to begin this process and are so thankful the ways in which God has and continues to bless us here at Preston Crest. Thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. 
looking forward to this fall and uh, seeing what God is going to do through this process. He's used it in the past at this church to really bless us and help us in our organization and growth in terms of ministries. And it's been so good. And I know it is this time around as well. So today I will be taking a break from the Sermon on the Mount series. Thank you, Jacob, for filling in last Sunday. We were out of town. Uh, So we'll take a break from Sermon on the Mount. We're going to talk about deacons this morning. Um, It's been a good morning already for for me, for many of us, because we got to see a lot of new members added to Preston Crest this morning. We had 30 folks in uh, PC 101 today, so that was pretty cool. So it's been a good day. Uh, Let's go into our text this morning, which Stephen mentioned. It is Acts chapter 7, verses, uh, Acts chapter 6, rather, verses 1 to 7. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, these are Greeks, uh, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The twelve, these are the apostles, they summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we, the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase. The number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So this is kind of the first iteration of the calling out that we are doing this fall of deacons. This is the original OG Church of Christ in Jerusalem. Uh, The first gathering of brothers and sisters united by the blood of Christ there in the city of Jerusalem. And they were doing uh, much of what we are going to be doing this fall, calling out uh, men to these acts of service. Uh, The church there in Jerusalem was, of course, a little bit different from ours here in North Dallas. They were led by apostles. Uh, These are individuals who had direct contact with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They were there at the Last Supper with Jesus. Uh, They received direct teaching from Jesus. They knew him uh, personally in a physical sense. Uh, They were the apostles, and they were the leaders of the church there in Jerusalem. And uh, We don't have apostles here. We do have shepherds. We have elders at Preston Crest who lead us and guide us in the ministry that the Lord Jesus has for us in our place and time. And so there in Acts chapter 6, we see a new role being carved out given the situation of the moment, the need of the hour. And this role would evolve to be what we call today the role of a deacon or of deacons. Um, Churches, really any church that thrives, that is healthy, that is doing well, is composed of Christ-centered servant leaders. 
Christ-centered servant leaders. If your church is doing well, you have a lot of people that have a heart for service. They care about people. They care about the work of God being done well. Jesus' desire, I believe, is not that there are just a few servants, uh, but that every disciple of Jesus is, in fact, someone who's looking for opportunities to minister, looking for someone to serve, looking for a, a place to help out. And, in fact, that Greek word diakonos uh, can, and most of the time, lit- is literally translated as servant. So, a lot of times in your New Testament, when you come across the word servant, it's a translation of the Greek word diakonos. There are a couple of occasions where the translators decided not to, not to translate, but rather transliterate to make uh, an English word that sounds like a Greek word. And in those places, they will take diakonos and transliterate it into deacon. Right? But they could have just as easily translated it to be servant. Um, so, Christ's church in Jerusalem, they had problems. And we read about those in Acts chapter 6. But they were the right kind of problems. These are good problems. These are the kind of problems that churches have when they begin to grow. Right? There are new people coming in. They've heard the gospel for the first time. Their lives are being changed by the power of Christ. They are part of a new family. Uh, these folks are now brothers and sisters spiritually of theirs in the church there. Uh, they have had their sins washed away. They have received the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives. This calling to a meaningful life of being part of this kingdom movement of God on earth. Uh, representatives, ambassadors of Jesus in the world. Uh, they enjoy a brand new sense of confidence, of security, because they know that they are saved by the blood of Christ, and nothing is going to change that. And so it's a very exciting time uh, for the church, uh, as these people have now chosen to become followers of Jesus. Now, we're talking a lot of people in a really short time uh, experiencing these changes, like thousands in, in a very brief weeks, months, coming to Jesus. So this church just kind of explodes onto the scene, and Luke, in his book of Acts, records the history of this church for us. There were young people in the church, there were old people in the church, there were also ethnic differences in the church. Here we have Hellenists and Hebrews. Okay, they, these are all Jewish people that came to faith. Some, though, from an ethnic Greek background, Hellenists, and some from an ethnic Jewish background. These are the Hebrews. And so they're being brought together, and that creates um, some challenges for the church. Uh, so growth problems are the kind of problems we want here at Preston Crest. These are good problems to have. We want to struggle with finding parking spaces, with, with seating in the auditorium. We want, we want those kinds of struggles. And among the challenges that the church in Jerusalem had was a very specific, very narrow challenge. <clears throat> in this body of thousands of believers, we have widows who in that culture, in that time and place, were um, vulnerable, were uh, often impoverished, uh, often had trouble putting food on the table, uh, these elderly women. And, and you've got a couple of different groups. 
You've got kind of inside track people who, who knew lots of folks there in the church and were known because they were ethnic Jewish people, had been going to the temple their whole lives. And then you've got these Hellenistic Jews, kind of outsiders who are a little bit different ethnically. And it looks like, well, it doesn't just look like, we are told that some of them were being neglected. Okay? There's food being distributed. There's this new ministry of the church and taking care of these precious women, but the Hellenistic widows were not being taken care of as well as the Hebrew women. And you can probably get some idea of how that felt. Um, it's not fun when you feel like you don't matter. It's not fun when you feel like you're kind of a second-class citizen or a second-class church member. And so that was a challenge that needed to be addressed. So we've got this group of, of ladies that is not well off, hundreds of them are dependent on this uh, food distribution ministry, supplies ministry of the church. Uh, now they wanted to make sure that they were taken care of, and that's what we've got here in Acts chapter 6. And now you might read that and think, well, that doesn't sound like anything we would have to deal with in, in North Dallas in the year 2022, but I think there are some important similarities. As churches grow as new people come in, there are crises or challenges that are created in finding a place for these people, in, in helping folks feel that they belong, which they do. God has called them to be part of his church, finding roles for them, and making sure that the needs of our new brothers and sisters are being met. Um, some churches are open to change. Uh, there are churches that are flexible. There are churches that as situations uh, change, they are willing to adapt and troubleshoot on the fly so that they can continue to take care of the people that are there and welcome the people that are coming. Um, and so these churches adapt to their changing reality. And there are other churches that really would just kind of prefer that everything stay the same. Like, like we, we don't want to change anything. Uh, we're happy with things exactly the way they are. So they're kind of forward-looking churches and then kind of backward-looking or status quo-looking churches. Um, this second group, um, they may think that they want to grow. Uh, they may think that they want to see new people show up and more and more people come into their fellowship, but they are unwilling to make changes, uh, uh, big changes and oftentimes just small changes to accommodate this growth and these changes in their church family, all right? Uh, so in Jerusalem, we're told in verse 1, there were more people coming into the church every day. We are told, quote, the disciples were increasing in number. And so the apostles want to make sure that the church can continue to grow, not because of their egos, not because they wanted to be known as the fastest growing church on, on earth. In fact, they were the only church, so that was a pretty easy mark to hit. Um, they were not interested in numbers for the sake of numbers. They recognized that God was was saving people's souls, and he was adding them to his family, to the church, and it, it was their responsibility to work with the Father and the Holy Spirit and the Son to bring these people into their fellowship. So, in Acts 6, we have a church <coughs> with leaders who recognized that they had a 
problem. There are these widows that are starving over here. They're not being taken care of. They're not getting the food that we were trying to distribute. So we've got a problem, and we've got leaders there. The apostles, they're not only willing to acknowledge the problem, they're willing to put it out in the open, talk about it openly, bring people in to have a conversation about this, and to work together to solve this problem. And I think it's also worth mentioning Sometimes you've got a big problem, and that generates like secondary problems. And in this case, not only do you have these hungry widows, uh, but you also have the, the apostles who are, you can tell all of the stuff is going on. All these new people are coming in the church, and they frankly don't have time to preach the word. They don't have enough time to pray for everybody. And so they see their own unique calling and role in the church as apostles is being compromised by all of the thousands of little jobs that need to be done. So verse 2, they're not able to, uh, they, they want to solve this problem so they can get back to preaching the word. And verse, verse 4, they want to get this problem addressed so that they can get back to praying over this flock. So the apostles come to the church and they say, hey church, give us seven names. Bring us seven men who are full of the Spirit Seven men who are known for being wise people, um, and they're going to resolve this crisis with the, the group of Greek, uh, ethnic Greek widows. And they end up with seven guys. This is the first deacon team, uh, and they, these guys are tasked with, hey, make sure that this situation is addressed. And you may have noticed, or you may not have, but as we read that list, you know, Stephen and Prochorus and Tim on these names, these are all Greek names. Um, who better to make sure that the Greek ladies were being taken care of than people that likely already knew them and, and cared about them in a personal way. So, one of the men they chose, that first name on the list, Stephanos or Stephen, will be known as the first martyr of the Christian church. He will give his life because of his testimony about who Jesus was. <clears throat> we don't always get a nice bow wrapped on stories. This one we do. We are told after the problem kind of gets troubleshooted, um, it, really, uh, it really worked, right? The solution really worked. In verse 7, we are told, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly there in Jerusalem. So that exciting God-given growth was able to continue as they adapted, as they, as they found the solutions for their problems. So these are our people. When we read this story, we're reading about our own spiritual DNA. These are our ancestors. These are our brothers and sisters there in the first century. And our elders today are responding to growth and God-given increase much like the apostles were responding to it back in the first century. I mean, yes, pandemic, pandemic, all that stuff, you know, we've, we've like everywhere, it's been kind of a tough past two, three years, um, but it's funny, we've also been really blessed as a church with a lot of new people here that weren't here before the pandemic, and so we're having to kind of work on the fly and meet the needs of this growing church here at Preston Crest. So our shepherds are saying, hey, this fall, we're asking you, church, give us names of people who can help us serve in some roles that really need taken care of. So let's start by zeroing in on qualifications, better yet, 
qualities. I think qualities is a better word for the kind of people that we are looking for. Um, there's a list of qualities in 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12, where Paul talks to Tim- Timothy about here's what you're going to look for in a deacon. And you might want to read that <coughs> sometime soon. Kind of interesting this week. I'm looking through different um, People who have taken this, uh, 1 Timothy 3, and they've listed all of the, the qualities, or some people say qualifications of deacons, and I couldn't find a single list that had what I think is the most important and biblical quality, which is it should be a servant-minded person, right? If you're, ta- if you're calling out a servant, a diakonos, it should be a servant minded person. It's right there in the name, all right? So when Paul, for example, says in 1 Timothy 1.8, deacons likewise must be, well, he's already started telling us about what kind of people we're looking for. Servants, diakonos, must be. So we're looking for servant-hearted people. You don't want to skip that. Um, you don't want to skip that. They need to be servants. They need to be, uh, Isla and I heard someone yesterday talk about, uh, <clears throat> this guy was talking about his wife and he said, uh, he said, my wife is, is just a, just loves hard work. She could watch it all day, you know. We don't want someone who just likes to watch hard work. Uh, we want to find people who are willing to kind of get their hands dirty and, and help out. So by definition, deacon, diakonos, is a servant. And you know me, I always like to get things back to Jesus. Well, well, Jesus wasn't a deacon. Yes, he was. According to the New Testament, Jesus was, in fact, a deacon. So here's a pick out of my Hebrew New Testament this week. This is Romans 15, verse 8, that talks about Christos diakonos, Christ the deacon, Christ the servant. Um, so Jesus lived to give right? He was a servant. Uh, He said, in fact, about himself in Mark chapter 10, he said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. So Jesus says, I came to diakosinai. I came to serve. Now, it's really easy to go, oh, Jesus, servant. Uh, Obviously, I mean, the end of his life, hanging on Calvary's tree, uh, Jesus served humanity by giving his life as, as a redemptive sacrifice for mankind. That's true. But it's interesting, the text in the New Testament from John points to something that happened right before that dramatic spotlight moment to a much more intimate moment where they were gathered for the Last Supper. These 12 men who we've already encountered in Acts chapter 6, uh, they're with Jesus or I guess in Acts 6, it would have been 11 plus Matthias who was added later. Judas was out. But they are together there. And right before Jesus goes to the cross, right before Jesus is arrested, you remember, right, what happened at that, at that meal, that Passover meal they shared together, how Jesus, uh, he got up and he kind of disrobed a little bit, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, took a towel and began to clean and dry the grimy feet of his friends, the disciples. And so we've got John, who is one of these guys, 
uh, one of the apostles in Acts 6 who was appointing the first deacons. But John was actually there at the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus washed his grimy feet. And John wrote about it in John chapter 13. He wrote this. It's such an interesting intro to the story of Jesus washing feet. It goes like this. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, total dominion, total authority, sovereign over all, Jesus knowing that that was his situation and that he had come from God, knew that he was a child of heaven, knew that that was his home address, and knowing that he was going back to God, he rose from supper. He rose to wash the feet of his friends. So I want to hang out there for a moment. Jesus is going to wash their feet, which would be the most menial, lowly job a servant could do in a household. Now, did Jesus do this because he had some kind of temporary amnesia? He forgot that he was the CEO of the universe? You know, John makes it very clear. No, the contrary. He knew exactly who he was. He knew that all things were under his authority, right? Uh, Did he forget that he was the son of God? No, he knew that he was from heaven. He was God's son. He knew that he was going back to God, his father. He knew all of this, and it was because of his security in knowing who he was and that he had all authority, it was because of that that he was freed up to just take care of a need that needed to be taken care of. Back to the text. So he, Jesus, (coughs) he laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist, He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. This is our king. This is our sovereign, our kurios, our Lord. Total power, total authority, a clear awareness of that and of who he was starts taking off his clothes, gets down to a tunic cloak, uh, takes that stuff off, wraps a towel around his waist, and then just starts taking these feet in his hands, washing them with water and drying them off. Context. You've been watching the same stuff I've been watching. It's fascinating to us Americans. Anything to do with the monarchy, right? The queen has died, and it's just, we're fascinated. We don't have a king and a queen here, so we get fascinated with this stuff. The world of princesses and princes and all this stuff. And so this week, you know, we got a new king, King Charles, and I've been watching the things that you guys have been watching. You know, I've been watching the, 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 wow, the outfits that Charles has. You know, this thing with all these medals on it, and the scepters, and all of this stuff, and, and the formality, and surrounded always by servants. I mean, even when he was sitting there, like, signing the official decree, there's some guy that's making sure that the, the inkwell is right in front of him, and taking, he doesn't have to really do anything. He's got servants around him all the time. Well, I've been watching, you know, they go from palace to palace. Well, here's the one in London, Buckingham. Here's Windsor over here. Here's the one up in Balmore. I mean, just very impressed that, you know, the, the Rolls Royce that the guy rides around in, uh, the sovereign automobile, they call it, um, just all of this kind of stuff. And hey, it's fun. It's awesome. It's cool, right? Whatever. 
Jesus models a, a very different way of kinging. A very different way of exercising dominion and authority. And it is to get on his knees and see a need and minister to people who are right in front of him. And that's one of the reasons, isn't it, that we just love Jesus. We just love him. And so John records the scene. You know, he's got his pen to paper. He lived it, and now he's recording it for us. And I kind of imagine John with tears rolling down his cheeks as he recalls the King of kings, the Lord of lords, washing his feet. This lowly fisherman from up around the Sea of Galilee having his feet washed by God's only begotten son, you know. And he could hear uh, the water as he recalled the scene pouring into the basin and sloshing around as, as, the t- as the towel goes in and out and the feet are getting washed. And he probably, if we're just being honest this morning, could recall the smell. I mean, there were smells attached, I'm sure, to washing 12 dudes' feet. Um, he could recall <coughs> for sure the feel of Jesus' hands on his feet and the towel as Jesus gently uh, cleaned his feet and dried his feet. John recalled and wrote for us uh, Peter's reaction. You know, Peter uh, was watching this unfold and it was his turn to get his feet washed by Jesus. And you remember, right, Peter's like, no, 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 no. Uh, This is a lowly servant's job. This is not your job, Jesus. You will not wash my feet. And of course, Jesus kind of corrected him as he often did with Peter and said, no, I need to do this. You'll understand later. Just let me do this for you. And after washing the feet, Jesus told his brothers, he said, hey, you guys call me Lord. And if I'm your Lord and I'm washing your feet, don't you think you should do this for each other? And he said there in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So they had seen Jesus, right? I mean, they'd walked with him for three years, better part of three years. They'd seen him walk on water. They had seen him multiply a child's snack and feed multitudes of people with those loaves and fishes. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. They had seen Jesus cast out demons. They had seen Jesus raise the dead. They had seen Jesus do all of this. And now they're seeing Jesus minister to them by washing their feet. We have some really terrific deacons at Preston Crest. Um, Some of them are called deacons, have that title. But we have many, many servants who, who serve, who are deaconing at this church. And that's why this church is as, is as healthy as it is. It's one of the things that makes this place such a loving, um, spirit-filled place to be a part of. Um, you guys, you see a need. You see somebody hurting and you pull up next to them. You hold their hand, you give them a hug. You sit and listen. You pray with them. Um, Many of you see something that needs to be done around the church and you just do it. You don't care if anyone sees you. You probably prefer that no one would see you and you just take care of that. And I mean, I'm blessed to be here as a preaching minister working on 14th year and I really, uh, by that word, that word minister is the same in the New Testament, deacon. So I'm kind of the preaching deacon at the church, minister, servant, deacon, same word in the New Testament. And I, I was thinking this week about those words from Psalm 16, 6, uh, where the psalmist says, my boundary lines 
have fallen in pleasant places. And God could have called us to work with a lot of different churches in a lot of different places, but what a blessing to be a part of a church that's so giving and loving and generous. What a blessing to work at a church where I've got elders that support me, that help me, that pray for me and pray for the flock. And of course, our amazing ministry team at Preston Crest as well. I mean that. What a great bunch of men and women who who get to serve this church in the church office. And don't tell the elders this, but I would do my job for free. Don't, Don't pass that on. That's just for us. I really love what I do, and obviously I have bills that I need to pay, so salary is nice, Um, but I I really would do this for nothing because I believe I'm right where God wants me to be. But I would just say a couple of takeaways as we think about um, the role in kind of the more formal sense of a deacon, of a a position, and then the more general sense for all of us. We'll start there. Uh, A couple of takeaways. First would be there with all of us. Um, Disciples of Jesus look for people to serve. That's just what they do. Um, It's hard to imagine someone being an authentic disciple of Jesus and they just don't care about people. (laughs) They just don't care about the needs around them. Disciples of Jesus follow him and he has modeled for us the way of service. You use your time. You use your talents. And you use your treasure to serve, to meet needs, to care for the work of God and the people of God that are around you. Now, second, more specifically about the role of a deacon, um, pray that God this fall will be active in this process of calling out additional deacons. Uh, So, circa AD 36, right, we've got the Jerusalem church. And they are growing rapidly. Um, like from Acts chapter 1 verse 15, they have 120 members, I think. And then by the end of Acts chapter 2, you've got over or more or less 3,000. So that's a lot of growth. Really fast. And it was time for everyone, in a sense, to be a deacon. Everyone to serve. And so everyone was called to serve. And also it was a time and a moment where they did need a select group. Because there was a gap. In, in this case, we have a very specific gap with these widows that weren't being taken care of. And there are gaps at Preston Crest. There are things that need to get done, and they aren't going to get done unless we specifically say, hey, can you make sure this gets taken care of? And so this fall, we're going to be looking for deacons to serve in some of those areas. So we just trust that the Spirit of God will work through this as he has in the past and we'll pray for that and we'll use our best judgment and discernment as we make nominations um, and we look for people that are willing to serve that probably already are serving uh, and uh, to kind of get a formal designation and make sure that some of these ministry areas are taken care of that that we don't have things fall through like what we saw happening there in Acts chapter 6. And so we pray for that and we seek that And we finish up this morning looking back to Jesus and thinking about the way he served us. He didn't wash our feet in the way he did his apostles, but he did uh, wash our sins away with his blood shed for us. He served you. He loved you. He gave his all for you. And maybe this morning you want to put on Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do that. If you have faith in Jesus, you can do that today. Give your life to Jesus. You could even be baptized in the name of Jesus. 
have your sins washed away, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, be united to this family of believers here at Preston Crest and beyond, and begin walking as a follower of Jesus for the remainder of your days with the promise of eternal life with Jesus and with the brothers and sisters in heaven in a not so distant future. Maybe this morning you just need the prayers of this church. We would love to pray with you, pray for you. Um, whatever, let's stand together and let's worship our good and glorious God together. Salvation belongs to our God who Again, we're so thankful that you chose to worship with us this morning. And Gordon, thank you for providing us the framework and the qualities of what a deacon uh, looks like and just the servant-minded attributes that they have. And this is a servant-minded congregation, so we're so thankful for each and every one of you. We want to invite you back tonight at 6 o'clock as Gordon and Jacob begin a new series called Living Hope, a study from First and Second Peter. I promise you it will be over before the kickoff. And First quarter doesn't matter anyway, so we look forward to seeing many of y'all here tonight. Actually, the game may not matter, but uh, but if you'll uh, read the uh, take-home uh, verse with me from Jude 25, then we'll be dismissed. 
To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. And the church said, Amen.